This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Voice of Change time here on Cape Pulpit. It is me, Lauren Jacobs. Welcome to the show. I hope that you've been having a fantastic day. Today on the show, we're going to be getting into two things that are very, very important for us to be talking about. You know, we need to kind of know what is happening in our nation when it comes to GBV. And we also need to know what is happening internationally with Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. We talk a lot about persecuted believers, you know, people who are persecuted and the atrocities they face. But when we get down to it, do we actually realize that one in seven Christians are being persecuted right now for their faith as we sit here. One in seven. And that's a big number. So today on the show, I'm going to be joined by Lynette, who is the executive director of Open Door South Africa. And we're going to be talking about the Red Hot world watch list now that's an annual list that gets renewed and kind of looked at and released every single year and the top 10 countries who make that list are in the top for being countries where high levels of persecution are taking place and high levels of persecution is very very intense levels of persecution where people are being routinely killed for their faith and mistreated and imprisoned and so Lynette's going to be joining me we're going to get into the world watch list just being released and you know what it is something that we need to talk about what can we anticipate also as we see the top 10 nations we see a bit of a shuffle shake around if you follow the world watch list you'll know for the last 20 years we've had the same country number one well that has changed in 2022 so we're going to get into that and touch on persecuted christians you know persecution for religious beliefs is actually a gross gross denial of basic human rights it is a you know we are protected against our human rights being pressed down in the form of persecution of religious beliefs and yet still it's happening and it's increasing and we've seen this happening so we need to touch on why is this happening what is happening and then right up soon soon i am joined by the longest serving member of the justice committee of south africa acdp mp steve swat who's going to be joining me so we can touch on and unpack the reality of the new legislation that has just been signed by our president cyril ramaphosa who has just signed some new legislation into being when it comes to gender-based violence and also when it comes to the abuse of children sex offenders all of these things we're going to be unpacking now we need to have our our hearts and our eyes and our ears tuned in to what happens in our nation we see now that these new legislation that these new laws have come in but how is it going to protect us and why does the church need to know about it and why do you need to know about it it is so important we're going to touch on that and so steve joins me after this to really really unpack for us what we can expect when we see new legislation on the table but also how these new gender-based violence laws can protect us and maybe you have family members who are victims of gbv as we call it gender-based violence and you need to know how you can help them how you can be protected 
perhaps if you're in that situation right now and what you can expect from these new laws as they begin to roll out and as they begin to be implemented in our nation. Stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. Steve is with me after this. Steve Swartz, it's so good to have you with me today. And, you know, I know that we're going to be talking about something that everyone's talking about now, these anti-GBV bills signed into South African law. And it's something that people are talking about just happened, you know, over the last week or so. But before we get into that, thank you so much for your time today. And thanks for being here. It's good to have you on the show today. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I look forward to sharing with your listeners from the Justice Committee's um, perspective. We did a lot of work on these bills, these amendment bills to improve existing legislation. And I think that that's so important what you just said. This is to improve what we already have. You know, we have the Domestic Violence Act, which has been around for over 20 odd years. And we we have this and this is amendments. Now, tell us a bit about what are the new means that have come in to fight women and children abuse? Again, I want to say that these anti-GBV laws also apply to men as well, all victims, you know, of gender-based violence. But again, a lot of people highlighting that this is going to really help women and children who are, you know, survivors and victims, as we see in our country in, at alarming rates. But tell us a bit about what is the new legislation, that these amendments that have come in, how is this going to help us, you know, the citizens of South Africa? Yes, well, firstly, we, we are appalled from our perspective about the high levels of violence in society. And it was necessary for us as legislators, and of course myself as a believer, as a Christian, to improve the legislation to protect all vulnerable sectors of society. So we had the Sexual Offences Act, and this is the one bill that was improved where we had a national register of sexual offenders to make that register broader, to protect people that come into contact with people, uh, vulnerable people, and we've, we've, we've stipulated the age of 18 to 25 as vulnerable people, mm-hmm who might come into contact with of people who have been um, convicted of various offences, including sexual offences. So there's a national register that does protect you. You can look at that register. And we extended the uh, broad definitions around that register. That's the first protection. And that is in the Sexual Offences Amendment Act. The second uh, amendment bill relates to the Criminal and Related Act, which is a victim-centred improvement. Now, one of the things we experience and we, we, we notice in society is whilst the sexual offence itself is traumatic, we see a lot of secondary tra- trauma when the victim goes and gives evidence and that also needed to be addressed. So there's a victim-centred approach to prevent harm to witnesses and that includes the usage of intermediaries, to giving evidence, audiovisual links, and I think that is really something that needs to be improved upon, and that's what we seek to do with this legislation. Mm -hmm. The the third aspect of this is also to introduce minimum sentences of life imprisonment, where we have very severe um, offences, including murder, including death of the victim who was in a domestic relationship. That then is brought into the ambit of our minimum sentence legislation, which sends a very strong message that we as parliament will not tolerate this ongoing violence against women, against all vulnerable sectors. That's the second broad category. And then the third 
broad category is the Domestic Violence Act, which already exists. Mm -hmm. We're seeking to amend the provisions because a lot of uh, violence, a lot of our sexual offences that takes place, takes place within the domestic environment, sadly. Mm -hmm. And so there we now have uh, improved situations of where a person in a domestic relationship can apply online for protection orders. And once these orders have been granted, they can also ensure that the police have to monitor those orders where a person is in a vulnerable situation. We've seen in the past where protection orders are obtained and then the abuser actually murders that person that's mm. already got the protection order. So there's an obligation now to monitor, for the police to actively monitor and to and there's obligations on social workers, on on SAPs, and in fact, on any person who is aware of a domestic violent in incident to report that. So we see an improvement, broadly speaking, of with these three pieces of uh, amendments. That's important. You made the point. These are amendments mm -hmm. of existing legislation to improve them. Basically, sexual offenders listed on a national register will be broadened. It will make it easier for victims to give evidence and will provide support structures for the implementation of protection orders in terms of the Domestic Violence Act. Mm. Steve, I love these new, these new amendments because as someone who's worked in the gender-based violence sector since 2009, I spent quite a lot of time in court with women back 10 years ago who were applying for protection orders. And really, like you mentioned earlier on, secondary victimization was a big reality facing so many women who would go to court, who would have to give evidence. And then there were questions, uh, uh, you know, uh, is this, you know, legitimate ev evidence? Is this okay? How, you know, and I think that all of these, these new amendments coming in are absolutely very, very good for victims and survivors. And I think that we need to know that we need to be able to use these. That's why people need to be aware. You can apply for protection order now electronically. That is a big deal. And that is a really, really great step forward. And people need to know I can actually do that. And again, you mentioned this monitoring that has to happen. That is that is so good. And we need to be able to, as citizens, say we're going to look at this. We see these things that have come into order. And if we need to use them, we should use them. Now, how, you know, how long has it taken to get this actually passed? You know, just from, from the, that perspective, I'd love to ask you, was this something that's been a few years in the making? We saw back in 2018, you know, when everything was happening and the women of South Africa around about August, September that year, really rising up. We saw a lot of marches to parliament and marches around the country. And, and you know, the women of South Africa themselves say, we want better legislation. So was this something on the cards for some time that these amendments were going to come in? I think that there was definitely uh, from the legislator, our perspective, from Parliament's perspective, a need, but this was obviously uh, made more urgent with the outcry on the various broad um, incidents that led to marches on Parliament, that led to President Ramaphosa announcing his um, his, his, the, the whole gender-based violence initiative programs. And of course, this did take some time because we were dealt with three different peace laws that needed to be amended, each very technical. And we wanted to ensure that there were no loopholes created for those criminals to get away. So we spent some time 
we also firstly started to make sure that what we were proposing could be implemented. That mm. And we, we called in all the different departments, the police, the prosecutors, the social development, social workers play a critical role to ensure that they will be able to implement. And of course, there's still that's an open question. Mm. And they, we passed very good laws, but it took a long time to go through that process. And then, of course, it goes from us, the National Assembly, to the National Council of Provinces. We finished our work in June last year. National mm -hmm. Council of Provinces came back towards the end of the year, and the legislation was passed and then goes to the president to sign. And as we know, he's just signed out last Friday. He's signed these bills into law. Now, the question which you raised, correct, it took us quite a while to pass it, but now the implementation side. That is the key thing. And I'm so grateful for you taking time out to just educate believers out there of their rights so that they can, so that we as the church can reach out in situations where we see abuse taking place, where we see that we can now have these tools to assist abused women, abused vulnerable women, men, children, whatever the case is, and ensure that the law enforcement authorities assist them and of course, that social development, a lot of these are social issues. Mm. Social development comes in and assists. And of course, the church plays a massive role in this regard as well. Mm. Steve, I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought that up, that the church plays a vital role in this. You know, <laughs> that is probably a topic we could talk about for a very long time. Maybe we should revisit that topic. But it, the church plays such a huge role in this. And when it comes to gender-based violence, I believe that the church as a whole, when I say the church, I mean all denominations, you know, all forms of leadership as well as people within the pews. It is our reality and our kind of responsibility that we educate ourselves on what's happening in the gender-based violence world because there are people being abused that's sitting in our pews even on leadership and we need to know that this is an issue we need to get involved in and we also need to be educated and we need to know how can we help you know if someone comes to your church knocking at your church you know late at night saying I i've just really been badly abused what should i do where do i go what is my first step can you help me a leader a pastor or even someone serving in the church needs to know what can happen what should happen not looking at one another saying oh you know what do we do now you know need to know you know, let's get this lady or this man let's let's get a protection order you know let's know what we can do where are the shelters where can we take her or him or this child what can we do and i think that that's so important that you brought that up it's something we need to hear more often we need to hear that and sadly um the church largely only when the secular media reports on those very few pastors that are guilty of these issues. But mm. the church is such a wonderful instrument to assist people. And just think if we were to um, be more helpful in reaching out, even setting up safe houses, many of our church uh, congregations uh, are, are social workers, pastors that are aware of, what, of the need. And now this is a tool that they can work alongside the law enforcement officers, protecting witnesses, uh, counseling witnesses. We know the police that have got counseling rooms um, for for traumatized mm. uh, victims of crime, and I think this and 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 the church has up to date played a key role. But I think there is room for improvement for in as much as we see the extent of gender based violence. And yes, 
It is the primary role of the state to protect its citizens, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I think we as believers can play a much greater role. And that's why it was just an honor for me as a believer to play a small role in strengthening this mm -hmm. legislation to protect our vulnerable women, men, children, anyone who is at risk of being um, abused, of being murdered, sexually offended, raped, and so that justice will prevail. And that is such a profound principle in the Bible is about God's justice mm -hmm. prevailing. And I think this will go some way, a long way, as mm -hmm. long as it is properly implemented and properly resourced, it will go a long way to assist our most vulnerable of society. Steve, I want to say thank you so much for that role, that this important role that you have played. And I think what a legacy as well. You know, sometimes we do things as, as God calls us to do it, but we're actually leaving behind something that's going to impact generations. And I want to say thank you so much, not only for being with me today, but also for your role in bringing about these amendments, for the role that you played, how God has raised you up into this area where you serve. And I want to say thank you so much for that because I'm overjoyed by these amendments. I know that many other people are looking forward to seeing how it's going to be implemented. That is our prayer now, good implementation. And I want to say thank you so much, Steve, for being with me today. Our time went so quickly. I think we'll come back for another conversation about this, you know, at some stage. But thank you so much for being here. And thank you. And God bless you and your family for everything you're doing. Thank you, Lauren. It's been a great honor and a privilege to be on your show. And may the Lord continue to bless you as well in the media and taking extending the word of God on media and please feel free to invite me again it's very interesting this bill was passed unanimously so there's no party politics involved it mm. is there to protect the most vulnerable of society so thank you it's been a great one thank, thank you, so, you much. so much Lynette thank you so much for joining me today it's so great to have you with me we're going to be talking about something that's so important going to be talking about persecuted Christians but before we get into that welcome to the show today thank you so much for being here thank you Lauren and thank you for having me you know it's always been so nice to have someone from Open Door South Africa on the show with me I know that I've interviewed Jan over the last two years and we spoke a lot about you know a bit about the world watch list and everything that was happening so it's so nice to have you here with me today and that is such a, an important topic to be talking about right now. I know that the World Watch List just released. And so before we probably get into it, maybe there are some people that are unfamiliar with the World Watch List and what Open Doors does every year about this list. So tell us what exactly is the World Watch List? Yes. Well, the World Watch List is made up of a list of countries where persecution of Christians because of their faith in Jesus is the highest. Mm. So what we do is we monitor the situation in countries where persecution takes place. And then based on the methodology, um, research, people on the ground, uh, really looking at the situation, we will look at the top countries and see how the situation has changed for Christians in those countries. And based on that, a ranking is done, mm -hmm. and the positions usually change from year to year mm -hmm. on the list. Mm. And it's so important to actually know what's happening on the ground. I think oftentimes people say, oh, you know, people are being persecuted for their faith. 
And yet, you know, to actually look at something like the World Watch List every year, I love just waiting for it. It sounds crazy, but I love waiting for it just to see what is actually happening to fellow believers mm-hmm. around the world. How can we pray? How can we be doing this? So, you know, what are the top 10 countries in the World Watch List now for 2022? I know that we've been through quite a cycle, you know, obviously with COVID, different things have started happening in different countries, you know, and people would probably think, ah, persecution decreased because people couldn't move around. Mm -hmm. There's all those kind of things. So what were the top 10 countries that you guys see now where believers are being persecuted and it's something that we need to think about in 2022? Yes. So I will run down the top 10, starting with number 10, Mm -hmm. which is India. And then number nine is Iran. Number eight, Pakistan. Number seven, Nigeria. Number six, Eritrea. Number five, Yemen. Number four, Libya. Number three, Somalia. And for the first time in 20 years, North Korea has dropped to the second place. It's been at number one for that long. And this year, Afghanistan is in the number one position. Mm. It's so, it, it should shock us all and kind of wake us up to realize that a large portion of those countries are actually in Africa, uh, on our very own continent. That's true. And, it, and yeah, it's, that's it, very true. It's, was that something that you kind of looked at and thought, this is happening on our continent? Yes, it's definitely a concern. Um, And what's also a concern is that the countries like Nigeria is top of the list when looking at violent persecution. Mm. So the sub-Saharan Africa is already a place where violence against Christians is the highest. But now we've also seen um, an increase specifically with the takeover of Kabul, by the Taliban, Hmm. um, that the jihadist movement um, is likely built up more and more confidence and there's fears that this will really destabilize the region. And, and this is so important. We saw just a week or two ago a fresh, you know, if I can say fresh abduction of young girls in Nigeria and we we know that happened a few years ago there were 200 girls abducted mm. by Boko Haram and we heard a lot of, about that you know Christian girls abducted but this is happening actually on a continual basis and just a week or two ago I was reading again that there's this reality that's ongoing but yet a fresh abduction of a large number of young Christian girls in Nigeria just being abducted. And this is happening all the time. These realities are facing Christians all over. But more specifically, if we think about Africa, we kind of sit thinking, well, we're in South Africa, so we're kind of okay here. But, you know, this is the reality that's happening on a daily basis for so many people. And it's so interesting as well. You mentioned North Korea being top of that list for like two decades almost, and now what we saw happening in Afghanistan, it is so easy to think, oh, it was six months ago, you know, that we saw the Taliban take control, mm. and but no, life has changed there. And, and this is something that we need to pay attention to, right? That's very true, yes. And um, for the Christians in Afghanistan, it's really a life and death situation. Um, 
there's no way that one could even tell your family that you are Christian um, in that country. So the church is completely underground and men are very, very vulnerable too. So basically when a Christian man, when they find out that a man is Christian, he faces certain death mm. and women and girls may escape death, but they're likely to be married off and then um, potentially raped and then trafficked, um, human trafficking. Mm. So it's a serious situation on the ground in Afghanistan. And like I said, the jihadist um, extremists um, have built up their confidence during this. So it's spreading in that area. Mm. And, and 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 Yemen as well. We see what's happening in Yemen at the moment. You know, a lot of people actually aren't following what's happening there, and you know, airstrikes happening and real realities happening on the ground. People being without internet for a very long time can't get word out of what's happening. And there's a lot of things that's actually happening. And these are current affairs and current issues that we see. But it's also as we see it, as it, we see it developing in the news, as we sometimes read a bit about it, we don't often realize that at at the center of this as well at what we're looking at is persecution of christians you know this is happening and it's happening steady and strong what trends are we kind of witnessing in christian persecution now as i said a large you know majority of people have felt well you know the last 18 months has been covid there's been lockdowns mm. there's been you know that but in actual fact, is that the truth that what we were kind of feeling like, oh, we're in lockdown and, you know, that means people can't move around. So these things must be kind of minimizing. Was mm. that something that you saw or actually is it the opposite that we are seeing? Yes. So unfortunately, persecution of Christians reached the highest levels since this list actually began nearly 30 years ago. Wow. So the situation is becoming more difficult. More than 360 million people now suffer high levels of persecution. And that means that it's one in seven Christians worldwide suffering persecution and discrimination. And then, um, although Afghanistan is number one, the situation in North Korea has not improved. Hmm. It's actually reached its highest ever level, although it dropped to number two. Um, after 20 years at the top of the list. Um, other trends that we've seen, um, I've mentioned the jihadism expanding at an alarming rate from Africa to Asia, creating a huge number of displaced people. And that's really a crisis um, when people are displaced because um, once you flee um, as a refugee, whether it's or internally with, uh, in your own country, you're even more vulnerable um, to persecution mm. um, because you have no stability. So mm. part of that is also in sub-Saharan Africa that there's the worst violence, particularly Nigeria's um, shocking rise in our list from number seven, I mean to number seven from number nine. Mm. So it was already very high and it's even risen again. Um, during this period. Mm. Um, and then what we're also seeing is that governments are becoming more authoritarian. So they use technology to oppress mm. Christians and other minorities. And there, China's model of centralized control comes to mind, mm. where 
they want to control religion and that leads the world. And again, because this monitoring that they've put in place um, with the digital era is seem seem to be successful to to um, control, that's also expanding to other countries. Hmm. Then India at number 10, again, there's extreme violence and it continues without any consequences for the persecutors. Hmm. So people are, or the government is turning a blind eye to what is actually happening. And there's pressure on these Christians in all spheres of their life. And then you've mentioned the COVID crisis. It's actually been used as a tool against the church. So in some areas, house churches um, were closed because of the reason of um, the COVID pandemic. But even though restrictions in other areas of life have um, changed and been lifted, the house churches are still to to remain closed. And that's mm-hmm. happened in Myanmar um, for example, over this period. So it, yeah, it's not um, a great picture. It's quite a somber picture. Hmm. And the thing is that I think that a lot of people consider persecution, we, we're talking about this is one to 10, but to remind the listeners that this is one to 10 of, of people who are highly persecuted. This isn't saying, yes. no, because North Korea is at number two, you know, they're doing a bit better. It's exactly like you said, Lynette. Actually, things have gotten so much worse in North Korea. We know how intense it is. I watched such an interesting documentary that was actually quite interesting but also frightening on North Korea and how they use, you know, exactly like you said, technology and cyber mm. warfare, you know, and hackers and how children are recognized from a very young age and then taken in by the government, trained to be professional hackers. They're the ones hacking surveys of the FBI and of big organizations, Mm. but also, you know, security organizations and military organizations around the world. You know, we've seen this happening, but it's it's very much government pushed, like you said, authoritarian governments, dictatorships, using this as a way of crime. You know, cybercrime is real. And we see this happening. And again, like I said, to remind the listeners, this is heavily persecuted countries. And big, you know, we we sit in South Africa and we know a lot of, I personally, you know a lot of people from Nigeria who come here who love God who start churches who do amazing things and the persecution in their countries is so big and and we don't often think about it because we might be friends with uh, you know someone from Nigeria or we go to a church that's that's you know predominantly with Nigerian people yet the country is suffering such severe persecution and like you said the 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 look at is somber is there is Mm -hmm. there hope in this you know, when I when I hear you say one in seven Christians, you know, being persecuted now, this is a huge number, and this is 360 million people around the world right now. Is there hope? Is there things that we are seeing that, you know, we know that God is always in control, but we also know that we have action to take. Is there hope? Is there things that, that can be done, that people can do? How do we really sort of tackle this because sometimes we feel like oh we're sitting in South Africa we have freedom of religion and worship so we're okay but that's not how it is for everybody is there hope in this picture somewhere yes for sure um, I think that's the big hope um, that we have with 
releasing the list year on year is that we would firstly create awareness of the situation so that people can take action. So being aware of the situation is our first step. And then, of course, praying. Um, so much happened through prayer. We have many testimonies of our persecuted brothers and sisters um, telling us that they knew that they were not alone because of um, answered prayer. So whether it's through the networks that we have in these countries that people are assisted um, and we've got various programs um, in terms of helping persecution persecuted um, Christians, or actually just knowing God's presence because they are being prayed for um, mm. and that promise that they will never be abandoned or alone um, is so true um, for many of the Christians. But then what we ask and hope that people would do is to take action. It's to be part of the voice for the persecuted church in our own spheres of influence. And that can be from a small sphere to the bigger ones. So whether it's in our church communities to make sure that um, they are aware of what's happening uh, around the world and to pray for change, whether it is to get involved and actually volunteer or to give money, if that is a possibility, um, so that the work um can continue and that we can expand or if it's actually being part of something like our prisons ministry where people have the opportunity to go um, to go and visit some of mm. these countries um, where there's a lot of persecution and sometimes those trips are, are prayer trips you mm. don't get to meet so many of the um, Christians in the country, but they all make a difference because they show that we care. Mm. And then, yes, there's hope. Um, we are involved as a global organization um, in terms of advocacy efforts, and that is important um, to to get a seat on the table with um, our own governments, with mm. um, the other governments where we have bases, um, fundraising and communication bases, and to continue to be that voice for the persecuted Christians. Mm. Well, Lynette, thank you so much for that because I love hearing about how we can actually take physical action and what we can actually be physically doing, you know, faith without works, being dead. And this is so powerful. You're talking about, you know, trips. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about, you know, being a voice. And we can do that in our own communities. We can do that in our own congregations. And we can do it globally through amazing organizations like Open Doors. And, you know, we're going to go to a quick music break. We don't want you to go anywhere because we're going to go a little bit deeper with Lynette after this and talk about her recent trip to visiting the persecuted in Egypt, something that we need to really think about. And also when we consider Egypt also is actually on our own continent, even though sometimes we forget that and can't wait to hear about Lynette's trip. So enjoy some music and see you after this. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs here on Voice of Change today. Welcome to the show. If you're just joining me, welcome. I'm with Lynette from Open Door South Africa and we have been talking about the recently released 
East World Watch List, which comes out every single year. It's an annual thing where, where we look at an open doors, looks at you know levels of persecution. What is happening among Christians who are being persecuted? What do the trends say? Who's on the top 10? Who's been heavily persecuted? How can we care? What can we do? How can we get involved? How can we take action? How can we be in this frame of mind where we are considering that one in every seven Christians around the world will be persecuted and are being persecuted. How can we, you know, think about that? Now, Lynette, I wanted to ask you, you know, you recently visited Egypt and visiting the persecuted in Egypt. Now, I want to say that when people think of Egypt, and I know it's for most of us, we think of, you know, tourist trips and the pyramids, and we we think about Cairo and all those beautiful places that we see on National Geographic Channel and all those wonderful archaeological realities. But yet, we're also facing the reality that Christians are very much persecuted in Egypt. And so tell us, you know, firstly, what led you to go on that trip? And, you know, how did how did that come about for you? Was that somewhere you wanted to go was it just God wanted you to be there thank you Lauren yes it was a really good experience for me so I um, went on the trip um, one of the key things being at an organization like Open Doors is that you you do get experience in the field um, and you do get to be with persecuted Christians and so that was the key um yeah, motivated for me going on the trip. And specifically Egypt, it was actually the only trip we had after two years of lockdowns and mm. um, travel restrictions um, for our organization um, that Egypt was the, was the one that opened up. So we, a couple of us went um, last year um, to Egypt. And yes, it was really interesting um, to be in the country where the pyramids are, where mm. the amazing um, yeah, history of, of the country was. And what touched me was definitely being close to the Nile River and, you know, mm. um, Moses in the basket in the Nile and um, Jesus had fled and found refuge mm. in Egypt. His parents did um, when he was a baby to protect him. So there's such a rich um, culture, heritage, um, also from a Christian perspective uh, in going there. And yes, also um, it's a a very controlled um, country. So for me it was interesting in terms of the security regulations. Um, Tourists are definitely... um, protected um, through the tourism police Mm -hmm. wherever you go and um, just exposure to a number of churches that we were fortunate to to visit um, was really interesting to me and something that really stood out for me in this trip was the boldness of the local Christians Mm. despite what they've been through, despite immense pressure that they feel and it might not be um, extremely violent but there's significant pressure um, when you when you meet some of the Christians they last in line when jobs open up and mm. you know that Egypt as a whole have been really um, yeah affected by the COVID crisis because they have such a huge um, 
reliance on tourism and international tourism. Mm. And many people study to be tour leaders or tour guides. Um, and from that perspective, there are many people that are unemployed. But if you are a Christian, um, you are last in line and people do not necessarily want to employ you. So um, it was very interesting to hear the stories and meet with local um, believers and also just see their boldness um, mm. despite this. Hmm. And so specific persecution, you know, that happens among Christians in Egypt specifically, what kind of things you mentioned, you know, last in line for jobs and people not employing you, what what specific persecution do they face in Egypt? And is it something that is, is quite, you know, we know that they're not on the top 10 list, but also persecution is quite high there. What kinds of things yes. are they facing? Yes, so they um, actually moved down the list, which is a good thing. They were number 16 mm. in the previous year, and they're down to number 20 um, because there were less violent um, attacks, really. But in the past, there's been very violent attacks. There's been bombs at churches, um, mm. killing a significant number of people. Um, ISIS specifically targeted Christians from Egypt, um, in Libya, when a number of them were killed. Um, so there's been outright um, violent attacks, which obviously the government is trying to stop in some sense because it affects um, tourism mm. as well. Um, but a lot of it is also subtle, and we met a lovely um, young Christian woman who has a job, but even within within the tourism industry, and even there, she she often gets um, pushed to the back when clients come in, so that she can't help them and get the commission or get the opportunity. Um, she, yeah, so it's those type of things where it's the the it sounds subtle in some ways. Um, because it's not said to be persecution, mm -hmm. but um, be, yeah, again, not getting opportunities. And then also for Christian children, especially in the more rural parts of Egypt, where they would be um, placed at the back of a class of 70 children, where they mm. can't hear they, when they want to answer a question. They're not called upon, even though they know the answers. Um, it's it's things where they, other children won't play with them because they are, are seen as unclean. Hmm. Um, the specific story that the one person told us was that as a young child, she, um, her mom always packed two sandwiches, um, one for her and for, one for her to give away to someone who doesn't have food that day um, because it's not a well-to-do society. Yeah. And, and she was all hopeful to share that with someone and then not, the the children although they were hungry would not take it because she's a christian mm. so it's that level of your identity because of who you believe in um, is discriminated against mm. wow identity your whole identity being discriminated against and that's quite a big reality isn't it quite a big thing especially when you're a child and you're you're, you're sensing that and you're feeling that and i cannot imagine how intense that must actually be, you know, just because you have a specific faith. And I'm sure 
I'm sure that maybe some of the listeners even can relate to it. Maybe you've been through something similar, you who are listening, you know, maybe you've experienced this in, in a different way. And we really, really need to think about these things. And Lynette, I want to say thank you for bringing this up and sharing this with us today, because, you know, when you tell the stories of people, it makes it come alive. It, these are not just mm. statistics anymore. It's not just one in seven. It goes, you know what, this is this is a real, real person. This is their reality. This is their story. This is their journey. This is their walk. This is how they live. This is their life. And that humanizes it for us. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for being with me on the show. Thank you for sharing this. And lastly, I want to ask you, you know, Earlier on, you mentioned that there is hope and we can take action. We can join a trip. We can, you know, pray. We can get involved somehow. And if anybody wants to, you know, maybe find out more about the trips that you guys are doing or really wants to pray or know how to pray specifically, I know that there's ways to pray for, you know, the world, over the world watch list as well, specific countries. How do people go about doing that? Is a way they can get in touch with you, with the organization as well? Yes, for sure. Um, we've got great resources that would help people um, to pray or to get involved in giving or to come on these trips. So the best would be to go to opendoors.org.za. That's opendoors.org.za. Mm-hmm. Or if um, the listeners want to email us, they can email South Africa at opendoors. No, sorry, South Africa at od.org.za, that email. Or we're also available telephonically. So it's 011-888-9341. And when you go onto our website, you can sign up um, to hear from us. We've Mm. got regular newsletters. You can download your free prayer map um, connected to the World Watch list. We've got devotions that you can sign up um, for on a daily basis. So there's a lot of um, resources. Mm. So there you go. There you have it. If you have a heart for the persecuted or, you know, we should all have a heart for our persecuted brethren around the world. We should all carry that heart. And, you know, if your heart has been stirred and you haven't been able to look at a world watch list before, you haven't known about it, or maybe you haven't known how to pray, this is how to do it. Lynette has given you all that information. And maybe you want to go on a trip as well. You know, Open Doors does some amazing trips. You can go and find that on their website. Lynette, thank you so much for being with me. It has been so good to be here. I've so enjoyed it. Thank you for sharing with us, you know, what you experience, but also the importance of what Open Doors is doing and what we hear happening. And I truly pray that we will tune our hearts to hear, you know, what God is saying and how we need to be praying right now for the persecuted. If we're seeing Christian persecution rising as high as it's rising now, we know it will, it's going to be something that is our reality and we need to kind of think hard about it. So Lynette, again, thank you for being with me and God bless you for all the amazing work you're going to be doing this year and in the future. Thank you, Lauren. Such a privilege to chat to you. Thank you.
As always, it's been so great to be with you on Voice of Change. I've loved the show today and I pray that you have been educated, that you have been informed, that you have been inspired, that you have been challenged, that you have been changed in the space of time that we've had together today. I'm so grateful for my guests who have shared their knowledge and their you know, intricate wisdom with us of things that they have experienced, where they serve, what they've seen from GBV laws to persecution of Christians. We need to know about these realities so that we can pray so that we can you know better be equipped and educated and i really really encourage you as well today as we shared earlier on on the show when steve joined me to really really get educated as a church maybe your church or your faith denomination or maybe even your small group your cell group your home group your women's group your women's ministry really get informed about these laws these gbv laws they are so important to us we need to know how we are protected we also need to know you know what we can do maybe if we're in that situation you know if maybe a friend is in that situation and needs to know how do i get a protection order well you can say come on let's go online right now and let's fill this in and Let's get this protection order in place. That's a big step forward. As well as the monitoring that needs to happen by the police, social workers, especially in terms of children, that's so, so important. These laws are game changers. South Africa is lauded as having the most beautiful, progressive, you know, wonderful laws out there for gender-based violence. Our country can be commended for the legislation that we have, yet it is the implementation, that word keeps on coming up, the implementation that needs to happen. Yes, we can have great laws, but it needs to be implemented. That's where you and I come in. We can push for it. We can use these laws if we need to, and we can better equip ourselves on it, as well as persecuted Christians. You know what? Go on over to Open Doors South Africa, their website, download the World Watch List, download the prayer map for that, and get praying. Let's take this seriously one in seven christians that's huge over 300 million christians persecuted right now while we are together right now during voice of change right now while we're talking it's a huge number and in that number is our spiritual family who we will be with and meet one day so let us get real about praying for them and maybe take a trip or do something something practical with our faith i know that you love being practical we love being practical here on voice of change and asking how can our faith shape our nation and how can our faith shape this world be the change and you know what create the change make the change it's been good to be with you until next week take care and god bless this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m please visit kpulpit.co.za